welcome thinkers to season 3 episode 19 of Thinking Critically. Today's topic is consequences. And today I'm joined by Brandon, a.k.a. Rev from The Crit Show. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Rev. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am the host and GM of The Crit Show, which is an actual play podcast uh, where we play Monster of the Week and other Powered by the Apocalypse games, all within the same dimension-hopping narrative. Amazing. Well, today's topic should be very relevant, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) in that it is consequences so what does that mean to you in the wider ttrpg framework yeah so you know a lot of the stuff that we play is powered by the apocalypse fate things like that and consequences are scaled so drastically just in the format of the roles of those games you know when you're when you're playing powered by the apocalypse for example you know you roll 2d6 and A seven to nine is a mixed success, meaning that you get what you want, but there's also a complication. There's a consequence Mm -hmm. for it. And then a six and under is just a fail. There's a a huge consequence. And so consequences, ever since we started our show, and I've noticed how much it's filtered over just kind of into my home games, have become so important in the sense of the scope of them. It kind of makes me think of, uh, if you're familiar with the Mikado, where they talk about let the punishment fit the crime. Mm Mm-hmm. That, you know, the size of the consequence has got to be proportionate to the size of the thing that they were attempting to do. Mm-hmm. In those systems, and part of my ignorance, you'll have to educate me a little bit. In, in those systems, when there is, you know, a, either a minor or a major mishap, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. A, I love that kind of micro moment to moment improvisation required of the the gm yeah but my, my question is is that you know the 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 only onus of the, the gm to think of those consequences in that you know very short period of time and if so how do you do it <laughs> um i really think it comes down to your group and your table you know i've played at games where it is up to the GM to come up with those, you know, mixed successes. But mm-hmm. there are also times where I've played in games where the GM is like, okay, so, you know, they're trying to do this. It is successful, you know, um, because intent is so important in this. It's like, you know, if you're trying to run out the door and close the door before a monster gets through it, it's like, okay, so what's your main focus? Is it getting out the door first ahead of the rest of the group? Is it closing the door securely? Like, what is it? And they're like, okay, well, it's, it's to make sure everybody's out and to close the door. Like, to make sure everyone's out before I close the door. Yeah. It's like, okay, so on a mixed success, that's the minimum thing you do accomplish. But here's the consequence to it. And so sometimes the GM will open it up to the table. Like, okay, so what do we think? Like, what could be some possible ramifications here? Like, oh, well, the creature slams hard against the door and it starts to crack, so it's not going to hold long. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, as you all rush through, someone trips and their hand hits the fire alarm. And... You know that a bunch of people, like innocent people now are going to be called here, like a bunch of firefighters are going to show up. Yeah. For me, in our podcast, I actually have gotten into the format. And part of it was because I think I 
kind of read the rules incorrectly the first time we played. But in a mixed success, it says that there is, uh, you know, it comes at a cost, a uh, price to pay or a sacrifice or so- something to that effect. Yeah. And I thought it was saying all three of them. Oh. So <laughs> I was giving the player three options. Like, okay, either this is going to be the way it is, this is the way, or this is the way. Which one do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of become something I really like doing. And the way that I come up with them is I just try to imagine myself in that situation in the moment. You know, if I'm trying to climb up a rope to escape from, you know, this this creature below and I feel myself slip and fall, it's like, oh, I want to I want to try to to catch myself. Mm-hmm. Well, if I was in that situation, what are some things that could happen to me? Well, I could catch myself and like rip up my hands or I could catch myself and like some stuff in my pockets is going to fall out. Or I catch myself and like that rope starts to fray and it's not going to hold long. So I have to find something else to climb on to. And so I, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the player who's just tried to do something and and think about like, okay, what's the like what options make sense? And then I do let them choose between the three options that mm-hmm. I give them of of what is the, the slight failure there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice double-edged sword of player agency like you've given yeah. them a choice but obviously it's a, <laughs> there's no winning choices <laughs> yeah it's like this is not going to go well but yeah. in what way do you feel the most comfortable with it not going well yeah yeah and I, I also loved where you mentioned there that sometimes it is a collaborative effort you know to, mm-hmm. to come up with those ideas and that really that is the real definition of collaborative storytelling that that gets that term gets bandied around a lot for D, but nine times out of ten it's well, I might say nine times out of ten, the second page of the player's handbook says the DM narrates the consequences of <laughs> right. the results of those actions. So, and and that totes itself as collaborative storytelling. But in a way, it's kind of pulling its punches a little bit because it isn't. Because it says there on the second page, the DM tells you what the outcome is. Whereas what you've described is like true <laughs> collaborative mm-hmm. storytelling in that the, yeah. the players get a hand in not only the actions, but also the outcomes, the consequences of those actions, which I really love. I'm a bit scared of like the trust level required there. There's got to be another layer of like maturity on trust on yeah. top to be able to like, oh, I I broke a nail when I was, you know, when, when you're climbing up the cliff and then the GM has to be like, well, that's not really a... <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's not really a consequence for uh, not climbing very well uh, unless your nails are magical weapons that can hurt people then yeah but <laughs> yeah and what I really enjoy about it is that it really pulls you away from you know there's this this really old mindset um, depending on the kinds of games that you've played and the kinds of game masters you've played with of the us versus them mm-hmm. and you know, and I, I totally get that is some people, they love that. That's totally fine. But I am a big fan of the, hey, we're working together to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to say some things. I'm going to make some decisions that are going to be hard on you or rough on your character or whatever. But it is all in the in the intent of telling this really compelling narrative between all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that is that space there is a tricky one to build into and to really build that comfort and, and confidence with your players to yeah. not yeah take the take the piss and <laughs> and then just yeah. you know trust them to to build you that story and often it's 
you know that that is absolutely like a, a session zero kind of thing out the gate mm-hmm. like this is the kind of game that i want to play is one where we're we're building it all together whereas i think i think the one that i play is a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b mm-hmm. a lot of my players uh would prefer to be excluded from the consequence decision making in a sense that although i am only human and <laughs> to her is human and i am in no way free of any bias i am still somewhat as as the dm of my campaign a objective or at least intended to be <laughs> an, an objective mm-hmm. power so by removing the the players decisions from from the outcome i think they prefer to be like they they can trust me at least which is yeah. uh, you know a position of responsibility yeah and and with you know these types of games you get that element of it when it comes to the full failure, like a six and under mm. triggers what in those games they call a, a hard move by the game master. And so those are things usually that are plot relevant or monster relevant or yeah. whatever that I have thought up ahead of time or make sense in the moment that, you know, they, they just get the ramification of it. They don't really have the, uh, the same level of input as they do on those mixed successes. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where the that's where the fun lies in the in the mixed successes. You know that that's where it's it's yeah. cool to to work with them because it is that middle ground of like, oh, let's have some fun here. Let's there's there's wiggle room, right? It isn't like this is super bad now. It's like oh, it's a little bit bad, but let's work out. <laughs> yeah, how that you still get, you still got what you want, but yeah, not quite how you wanted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is interesting, and I think it's a failing of and a, you know, excuse me for falling back on my my D and D expertise here, but that's the, the one of the points of today's discussion is to see where it it, it differs and the similarities and the differences with other systems. But I think mm. it's a failing of D&D is that I think at some point somewhere, probably in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it will say like, have a sliding scale for, you know, success in binary. It isn't just mm-hmm. you meet the DC, you can, you can have a sliding DC scale. Yeah. But it's never, you know, for a newbie who's just picked up Lost Minds or the starter kit or something, that isn't, it, it is probably going to be a very binary like well the dc says 15 and they hit 14 they didn't do what they're going to do and yeah it's a shame in a way I'd, I'd i'd prefer it to be a little bit more baked into the fundamental mechanics that idea of a scale a success scale yeah like this oh this knowledge check's really difficult it's a 27 oh you get a 26 you know nothing it's like <laughs> well there's got to be some stuff they know right yeah yeah <laughs> when you put it like that it's so like hilariously obvious that like such a high roll a 26 and they're like now nah, you're dumbfounded <laughs> you've never read this relatively common language before in your life <laughs> <laughs> what do these weird symbols mean on this piece of paper oh it's just a, a coffee menu right okay cool. <laughs> you're one away one away <laughs> So <laughs> one of the things that I thought about when preparing for today's discussion was all of those memes you see about like, oh, how was I to know there was going to be consequences for my actions? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look what it is. It's the consequences of my actions, um, which I love because it's so, you know, it's it's funny because it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think more so with TTRPGs when you have the surprised Pikachu face players that are like, oh, snap that thing I did is now biting me in the backside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say, one of the allures of GMing for new players is watching that penny drop. Ooh, like Penny drop moments in any discipline, in any area or any profession are always 
wonderful things to to witness that's why teaching is a thing that people like to do because it's <laughs> the thrill of yeah. watching the light bulb go and that is the ttrpg equivalent of of when you see people be like ah oh, yes i'm not playing dragon age anymore okay <laughs> that yeah. moment is great and one of the ways you can get to that moment is through consequences of the the player actions so i don't know whether you have any any thoughts on that or any particularly pertinent examples of those light bulb moments yeah you know we um as a group we run a lot of powered by the apocalypse games at conventions and i would say well, probably 80 percent of the time it's people who have never played one before but they've mm -hmm. heard about one and so they want to get a chance to do it and so first you have that step of oh yeah so you you've kind of failed this thing how do you think you failed it and you get that moment of is this a is this a trick is why it, are yeah. you asking me how <laughs> is this i a think test? I, yeah <laughs> um but then once you get to like the only notes I really take as a GM, like if you were to look behind my screen, mm -hmm. it's mostly just random pen marks Yeah, because, you know, I don't need a whole lot to, to run the story that I'm doing, but I do want to take notes of those little things that come up, you know, oh yeah, we pulled into the parking lot here as we went in and, you know, we noticed that there was someone in the parking lot. And so we made sure to park right next to them because they weren't parked correctly in the lines and it just kind of pissed me off. And so mm -hmm. then later, like when there's a complication, like, oh yeah, you go out, and you you know, you're all trying to escape from this place. You've set off the fire alarm. You got to get out of here. And you notice that one of your tires is slashed and there's a note on your car. And it says, thanks for parking so close. You know, <laughs> finding ways to, to lead those consequences or to rather to pull those consequences from the things that they have set up is one of my favorite things mm. so that you never feel like you're getting struck out of left field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, as a player, you mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And again, that, that ties back nicely into that whole trust piece and the, the difference between them versus us gameplay, because in that instance, them versus me versus them or whatever it is, the players mm. are very reticent to ever make themselves vulnerable. So in that example, they would have been, no, I spend another minute backing back out and reversing, you know, pulling back in the bay, making sure I'm six inches from the line, either side. Nice. Good. That's not going to come and hit me later. Uh, so yeah, whereas in, in this collaborative storytelling version, again, you can trust the players to put their characters in more vulnerable situations by making suboptimal decisions or by saying or doing foolish things that can be you know, misconstrued by the NPCs or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And likewise, they can trust you into not hitting them out of their field or just completely whipping the rug out from under them and be like, yeah. you've, <laughs> when, when, you know, when they parked outside of the bay, you open the door and as you turn the ignition, a bomb goes off because <laughs> like slashing the tires makes sense. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> someone was so pissed you parked outside the bay, they did this. That's just like, that doesn't make any sense, GM. And now we're not having fun. So I love that. Mm -hmm. And that trust is is very much a two-way street. It is not just the GM trusting the players. It is the players having to trust the GM as well to make things make sense and to be like, yeah. nope, that's fair. That slash tire is completely fair and deserved and it makes sense because the world feels alive. Thanks, GM. Uh <laughs> well, and I think too that, you know, something that's that's really important narratively and it's something that, you know, you kind of bump into when you play 
uh, you know, Pathfinder or mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, that just because you fail, just because there's a consequence to your action, it doesn't mean that it's not still badass. Yeah. Like you can fail in a really cool way as opposed to like, oh yeah, you didn't hit the AC, so you miss. Mm-hmm. Like that's not an interesting thing to describe, but you know, if it's if they fail on an attack, you know, in Monster of the Week against a, a creature, it's like, oh yeah, you run up and you jam the sword down onto it and you realize as you get close that its flesh is really craggy and part of the blade breaks off. You can tell this thing has such a thick skin that your sword just can't penetrate it. And so you still give them a, a cool cinematic moment. It's not like, oh yeah, you trip and fall. You're bad at this. <laughs> you yeah. you still make them feel cool in their consequences. Mm-hmm. Which is a tricky thing to do as a DM or at, let me yeah. put it another way, as not a professional improviser. It, it is hard to come up with those unique things like consist on a consistent basis oh yeah at a high level like throughout all the kinds of interactions and times that things can go bad it's not so bad when you're playing a system that has levels and the and the characters are lower levels because mm-hmm. it's more feasible for them to you slipped on the banana skin whoops haha slapstick comedy that's fine that makes sense today <laughs> once, once. yeah exactly uh, but then when they're like level 10 and slinging you know swinging from rafters and, and firing fireballs and stuff on the rare occasion where they do fail quite bad. It's, it's really incongruent to be like, oh, you slipped and fell on your bum. Well, hang on. Mm-hmm. I've been <laughs> I've been a master acrobat now for like 50 years. Like, w- w- that would never happen. <laughs> yeah. It, and it makes my, makes my cool character look stupid. Cool. Thanks yeah. To you. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to something earlier where someone had failed a, a relatively simple role and, and the game master was like, why do you, like, what goes wrong here? Mm. And they were like, oh, you know, we, when we walked in, there was all this smoke in the air and I think it's not just smoke. Like, I think someone is burning something and Ooh. it's it's getting into my system that it's it's clouding my thoughts and I think that I try to do this spell and it just doesn't, like, I don't have all the pieces at the forefront of my brain because of this smoke. And so, you know, giving them the chance to like, okay, again, why do you think this went wrong? Like, we know it went wrong. That's what the dice have told us. Yeah. But we don't know narratively why it went wrong. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to try and float that idea to my players next time. I'm very happy with this learning moment for me now. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> next, next time we play, it'll be a week away. If, if, if an opportunity presents itself, I might be like, hey, let's, you know, I can't be the only improvisational you know creative font here let's open it to the floor what would be a funny and interesting way here to (laughs) to see yeah see what happens when it does it shares the workload too because Mm. you know if you go back and if you listen to our show where i'm generating these um you know in our first two seasons you know they they can't all be gems (laughs) it's you know sometimes they're like okay they're sneaking out a hallway and uh oh you failed this role yeah, you 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 know you bend over to tie your shoe, and you guys talked about eating on the way here. You just fart really loudly in the hallway, and all of a sudden your stealth is blown. And it's, you know, okay, that one's not cool, but I got a good laugh out of them. So yeah. it's you know, also about knowing your group and like what's the the mix of you know humor versus in character story. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that balance of the consequences? Yeah, it. I love, see. This is this is why I love. TTRPGs and this show is is to hopefully highlight that it is hard, like micromanaging that balance for every, mm. you know, just the GM, 
for the players are just as responsible. Micromanaging that balance in any given situation is is a very tricky thing and a very practicable skill. Like you you can you can get better at it. But yeah, just just knowing when you know when's too far, when you need to pull back, when you need to push forward is you know in terms of like narrative fluff and is a fart going to be here good here is it going to be you know puerile here and, and right of, is is again comes with experience comes with knowledge comes with ownership to a certain extent but I, i'm i'm very much behind that idea of kind of sharing the load and again i don't i don't want to turn this into like oh isn't the poor gm hard life's hard he's got to do all this work <laughs> which is <laughs> which is why i'm saying like no the, the players <laughs> have, have that burden as well but yeah certainly the way i still play in, in that as i said i tend to do most of the uh, the flavor narration the players have the opportunity to do so some of my players are not really bothered by it oh and just say i hit it with my greatsword i hit it with my greatsword mm-hmm. which is fine um but otherwise it's, it's, it's down to me and yeah absolutely it's draining uh, you know and and you're at the end you're just you, you know you're operating on fumes and it, it does just come down to you hit it with a sword a little bit different from the side because I've used every synonym for parry <laughs> yeah. in the last four hours of play that I've just, my brain just said, said no, no more words for you, Danilo. You can just say the sword <laughs> hits the other sword. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the, one of the main things that often gets discussed hand in hand with consequences is the idea of murder hoboism. As I am mm. coining it, and I'm not sure how much of a big deal it is in the systems that you play, and also I'm not frankly sure how much of really a big deal it is in games that you play with people you know. I have a sneaky suspicion. The guy's telling me it's it's more of an issue with pickup groups and, and mm. randoms. However, saying that, that's the archetypical like the players have gone and doing some stuff which is just immoral amoral mm-hmm. bad within the universe whatever however yeah. you want to describe it and that is the classic one that says well you know i i could i'd be i'd be a rich man if i had a pound for every time every thread i've seen every comment i've seen that's like how do i deal with this they murdered the merchant in the middle of his village and a that always strikes me as an interesting question meta in a way because mm-hmm. in of itself it's not an interesting question it's quite a boring question but the fact that it's being asked is interesting to me because it's like, well, the whole point of TTRPGs is that it's this dynamic world that you're living in. Even if you play super raw, super mechanical, super optimal, it's still fundamentally a dynamic world that reacts in the most dynamic way ever to the actions of the players, be it mechanical or abstract actions. So the whole the whole premise is predicated on this dynamic feedback. So at the moment anyone says like, my players have done action A, how do I respond? To me, that's like, how do I play the game in a way? Like, what should I do here? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's for me personally. That's the meat on the. That's why I'm there to answer those questions. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> those questions in my game. I'm like, oh, brilliant! They've given me all this material. This is where I get to flex my <laughs> my muscles. So, I, but fortunately enough, my players haven't gone full off <laughs> off the tracks. Um, but what, what about you? Have, you? have you got any tips, any thoughts on, let's start with the extreme, you know, the, the classic murder hoboism of just completely pointless, chaotic, evil nonsense? Yeah, you know, it's something that really caught me off guard the first time that I encountered it because when I first started playing TTRPGs, I started with, with Earth Dawn, 
And Earthdawn's whole system is based off of legend points, meaning that it's not you don't get experience from killing creatures. You get character growth by people knowing of the heroic deeds that you've done. Mm. And so, you know, there was no choice really but to be a hero because that's how you gained experience. That's how you became more popular, more well-known. And the whole game really is based around the idea of, you know, you're a group of heroes trying to do a thing. And if you start to, you know, behave in a in a chaotic, evil way, the forces that you're out there to fight against will start to corrupt you and pull you to their side mm. to the point where you'll have to give your character over to the game master. So it wasn't really something that I ever dealt with until much later. But I, I remember very distinctly the first time sitting down with a group of people and, you know, we were playing a game kind of set in in our world. And this person gets a bazooka out and blows up like a, a power station. Mm-hmm. And then they were shocked when the police and the <laughs> fire department showed up and like drew on them and, and told them they were under arrest. And so I think that a lot of that has to deal with your session zero mm-hmm. that you got to establish, you know, with your players, like, okay, like what are, what are, what are the rules of the world here? How are we playing this? Are NPCs, you know, disposable dime a dozen things that you can just use as you, as you see fit and ignore the rest of the time? Or are they, kind of complex characters that can aid and hinder you as you go through your story. I think the the more realistic and kind of dynamic you can make the characters that they're interacting with, mm-hmm. the harder it will be for them just to be like, oh, this is nameless innkeeper. I, I murder him because he's got more coins than I do. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it really does come down to that session zero of, you know, what are kind of our lines and our veils and what is what is the society here? How how are murderers treated in this mm. instance? Or, you know, what's the, you know, in any small town uh, within the principalities here, what's the punishment for thievery? Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of setting that out as a group because that'll tell you a lot about the world the players want to play in. Mm-hmm. I never build my world until the players have made their characters because they tell you so much of the story that they want to play by the characters they create mm-hmm. and the backstories they give themselves that if you can then find ways to incorporate that, you know, Oh, this person has a high thievery and a high backstab. Well, I know that they want to use that obviously. Mm-hmm. So what kind of thing can I put in their way that, you know, morally isn't just them doing this to whoever they find, but, oh, yeah, there's this corrupt group who's doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. How are you going to deal with them? Mm-hmm. Again, another world-building challenge <laughs> for the GM. Yeah. There. Do you think, then, at that session zero that you mentioned, it would be useful to have, like, hypothetical situations to then, you know, at least work with the players, or if you want to, if the world is already preset up, for sake of argument, players if somebody kills somebody in this world they will be you know the police will do everything in their power to apprehend that person and mm-hmm. put them in prison that is his one hypothetical example of a crime being committed in the world you know that's we've even before we've even started playing you you know <laughs> that, that's what's going to happen do you think that's yeah you know 
beneficial to either build that at the time with the players, as you said, or already have them pre-baked. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one of my favorite session zeros I've ever done was, you know, we sat down, we generated characters, we talked about the world a little bit, and then each player had uh, just like a 10 or 15 minute session alone with the game master. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all still there, but it was them going through a couple of things, using their important skills, and them just kind of getting an opportunity to feel each other out in the sense of, you know, how they were going to play the character, what things were, you know, relevant to them. Um, because then that gives you a chance to, to adapt things or adjust things between that and your first session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's that's a failing that I have unwittingly committed myself in, in you know, not... It's so easy to think of session zero as one thing when it is in fact twenty million different things all, right. <laughs> all at once, and it's it has a lot of baggage nowadays for for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. And of course, it does all of those things and more. And in fact, it's it's you know in some cases it probably needs to be longer than a regular session in a weird right. you know upside down turn of events <laughs> rather than just his you know scene setting it's it needs to be all of this stuff not just if you kill bad things will happen to you but also like here's these nations and here's this background and and what what does your you know how did your character grow up again oh yeah let me think about we could maybe do this uh, mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot to be said for doing that in kind of full transparency of the other players if you have the opportunity to do so because it builds that shared universe you know every, everybody's invested a little bit, you know, the very least of their time, which is highly, hugely important to people, to be like, no, this is this is the our world, and that that has already started to pay, maybe mitigate that chaotic evil play because people have invested mm-hmm. time into this world and they don't want to <laughs> immediately the first time they step foot in it, they don't want to just tear it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, a game that we played a couple of years ago that that was part of the session zero. Um, they had a, a mechanic that you went through on the world building. It was like, okay, so there are corporations that run this city and there is as many corporations as there are players each person describe one corporation and what they're in charge of Mm. and so it was like okay well there's this one person came up with you know there's this group and they do all of like transportation they do the subways they do the buses they do the taxis and they use that as a system to you know filter money and someone else was like oh yeah there's a group who does all of like the defense contracts Mm. and and so then as they start to to build that world, you know, even if it's, even if you have a home brew world that you want to do, letting the players in your session zero build like their starting location and then dropping that into your map that you have gives them that sense of kind of ownership over the the place where we first find them and get to know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, it sounds so obvious not not just what you're saying but what, what you know everything we've talked about so far on paper it's like well duh but <laughs> in reality it's a lot it is a lot and it's so hard yeah. uh to to be able to get all the all your chickens in a line and, and get everybody ready and, and and have players who wish to do that as i said like i've got a whole mix of, of players some who are very keen on that kind of stuff some who uh do the bare minimum i think is, is fair to say in terms of mm. world building and fluff and backstory in fact, one of the characters, uh, one of the players' characters died recently and they had, a, you know, I gave them four weeks over the Christmas holidays, the winter holidays, to build a new character. I've said, like, here's, here's the list of all the NPCs, you know, here's the list, here's the session logs for <laughs> the last 
68 sessions, the riff off of this wealth of material, mm-hmm. and he left it until the night before, about 11 p.m., to send me a half-baked backstory. <laughs> so, you know, balancing that... Uh, I don't want to say it's like a job, in a way, because every game is different, and some games are smooth like Batter, and others have these weird bumps in the road like mine tend to do. <laughs> but uh, it is just a dance, basically. It's a, it's a delicate dance between making sure all these plates are kept spinning and everybody's happy that the plates are spinning in, in the in the direction they want them to spin. <laughs> it's a to really, yeah. really butcher a, an already tenuous metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and because you're going to have players who, you know, you're going to have that player that sends you a seven-page backstory mm-hmm. that has NPCs named and items that are important to them that maybe they could find later. And then you're you also have the player who is just there to roll dice and feel like a badass in combat mm-hmm. and they yeah my mom is uh, jane and yep. my dad is joe and you know again we you talk about that delicate dance of finding that balance of okay this character clearly wants to role play mm-hmm. and this character clearly wants to like do a dungeon crawl so how can i place these role playing elements within the dungeon crawl so that no one feels like their, you know, their desired game um, isn't kind of happening. Yeah, and uh, thank you for providing me a very nice opportunity to do some self promotion here because uh, <laughs> I, I made some some tweets recently around um, that. There's a discourse that I I find a bit of a waste of time to be completely frank in the whole like rules versus fun debate. Mm. And those who do follow me on Twitter will probably remember this tweet because my point is that. That is not a discussion. That doesn't. That those two things are apples and oranges. You can't compare them like that because mm-hmm. the rules are the fun for some players. Yeah. So it's not a rules or fun. It's well, no, the rules are the fun for that player. That the actual discussion is somebody likes rules and somebody doesn't like them as much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do these two people belong in the same you know the same game or yeah. how can I you know make a mix of you know because if we obviously if you especially. If you play, you know, any version of D&D before 5e or if you play Pathfinder, you have to love rules because there's <laughs> a rule for everything mm-hmm. and you spend so much time looking them up that, you know, there there is an element of, you know, when sometimes to relax, we play a much more complicated game than the one we do on our podcast because there is something that's fun about all of the skill checks and, yeah. you know, getting those certain bumps and the magic items that let you do this special thing as opposed to the fun of, yeah, I just describe what happens narratively and it happens because, you know, I have a high enough stat. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two very different kinds of fun that depending on the day of the week, it kind of depends yes. on which one you're in the mood for. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've said to many times, multiple times, my own players, in fact, I, I, that that same player who you know turned up at 11 p.m. with a half-baked character sheet, I've said to him before in the past, like, hey, I've noticed some friction with your interaction with the world or even playing. Have you considered playing this other system, this other framework that is more conducive to that play style? Because mm-hmm. you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole sometimes, the round hole being 5th edition, mm-hmm. and maybe if we can find you a square hole, you'll have a, <laughs> a lot more fun to not yeah. uh, deftly skirt around any uh, <laughs> euphemisms there. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a consequence of the game system you pick to 
butcher a way of trying to bring us back onto <laughs> yes yes just to try and crowbar us back onto the, to the track i guess the consequence of us having too much fun is uh <laughs> get derailed yeah, we got off topic <laughs> yeah ever so slightly ever so slightly Yes, it's it's all it's all this inter- interconnectedness. But uh, one question I was going to have for you then is: uh, Have you got any standout, like any classic surprise Pikachu face consequences for your for your players in your career? Has there ever been any bits that you've I don't want to say blindsided them because that suggests that it was unfair or whatever. But any any moments that were like, oh yeah, whoops, <laughs> we messed up. Yeah, like you know because. A big thing is that realizing that, you know, consequences has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but when a character fails at something, that's usually where some of the coolest storytelling comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't go into a movie theater to watch the character succeed in their final goal in the first 10 minutes. No, they fail a bunch, mm-hmm. and then we get to see their rise to glory. And so I think just, you know, keeping that in mind that if you can make the players and yourself see that the consequences are how much fun they can be or how much um, consequence they can have mm-hmm. in the story that you're telling. Um, one of my favorite ones is we, they were dealing with this person who could generate a lot of offspring. Okay. And they were able to kill this creature, but one of the offspring got away. And then, like, three seasons later, they came across another one of this offspring and realized that it was, like, the great-great-granddaughter of this thing they had fought so long ago. Mm -hmm. And because they didn't deal with all of them, here was another one that had come looking for them. Mm -hmm. And so just just those little things, my favorite consequences are when they're like, we got to put a pin in that and deal with that later. And then they forget. And then you can bring that moment back up later. And there's always just such a good reaction at the table of, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And it is that, oh, if it isn't the the, uh, ramifications of my own actions. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I love that as well. It's it's such a Machiavellian delight as a a GM to be like, I'm going to remember that. You guys might not, but I and the world are definitely going to remember that. Uh, A couple of examples from my game. my players, they went to a, ju- a jeweler's, I guess, a jewelry shop that was run by a, a less than legal goblin in my fantasy world mm. who, you know, is, is he was called Sleaze. I think that pretty much speaks for itself, right? It, it was <laughs> it was a dodgy venture from, from, from the outset. He, he was clearly <laughs> not legal. And uh, they still attempted to, like, swindle him and rob and steal from this this goblin who's mm-hmm. yeah i mean by himself it's just one dude in a shop trying to sell you some diamonds so you can revive your friends but like how did he get that shop and where did he get all these diamonds from and all these other questions so long story short is they they tried to swindle him didn't quite work it didn't explode at that point there wasn't like roll initiative everyone fights okay close the book on that it ended as amicable as it could have done but for me, as the DM, I was very much like, yeah, he's got connections. Mm-hmm. Like that goblin network in my world is extensive and they all, you know, they're all in cahoots and 
he's got you know bigger brothers that are <laughs> are gonna pay the the players a visit shall we say at some point down the line <laughs> for like bullying this you know the, the store owner at this point so i'm like yep that's that's just pop that pop that little note somewhere little post-it note somewhere and we'll just let that let that stew for a couple of months and we'll see you know and i, I am very much looking forward to that come up and <laughs> to sound like a parent just long enough yeah. for them to have forgotten about yeah, it. yeah precisely and then I, I also wanted to add a, a positive spin so recently the only two surviving player characters there was a cataclysm in the big city you know there was a, a bunch of mp you know half the population was unfortunately killed for various plot reasons and long story short is that the two surviving player characters one is this charlatan warlock who is very all style no substance very manipulative very typically <laughs> warlocky you know flamboyant flashy doesn't ever lift mm. a finger but tells everybody he lifts both hands so when he was leaving the city he was like tell everybody you know that it was me that saved the day and i'm the one the reason you're still here alive but then left them while they're literally in like humanitarian relief efforts mm. whereas the other one is a uh, goliath blood hunter barbarian but very kind hearted kind souled so when I, as I did with the work before him, on his way out of the city, I was like, there's relief efforts. And they're asking, you know, all hands on deck. We need to clear the rubble, this, that, and the other. He was like, yeah, okay, I'll go and help. I'm way stronger than these people. So I was like, okay, what do you, you know, what do you do? And here's the kind of things you can do. And how long do you want to spend doing it? Like the day, a week, or just resolve this one small issue they have to find this one missing person and then go. And he was like, oh, you know, I'll spend a day, you know, eight hours or whatnot. And I was like, yeah. And I rated it. They love you. They, you know, they are so thankful for your efforts. Like anytime you come back, you'll, you'll have a place to say, you know, you've you've saved the lives of like ten people because you've been clearing all this rubble because you're a huge, strong barbarian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So he left. So that you kind of got two different parallel <laughs> stories there. Now, one of my other characters, uh, one of my other players who is rebuilding another character, he's come back, and one of the ways that his new character has been introduced to the party is because he's like oh yeah, I heard of your two exploits. You're the two saviors of this city, right? And of course the warlock is like, yes, God, like, <laughs> they, they know me. They've heard of me. I didn't do anything. Whereas this very humble and modest, you know, Goliath Barbarian is like, oh yeah, I guess I helped a bit. Uh, <laughs> but my point being is that A, you've got there, if, you, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough like I am, you can have players even build off each other's, you know, provide consequences to the other players actions and b it's it's in a good it's in a favorable light yes there was a bit of mm-hmm. deception on the part of the warlock but broadly i guess he did save some of them in indirectly but um it's it's in a favorable light it isn't this the world's going to explode in seven weeks because you forgot to turn the, the oven off before you left for adventuring like it's right <laughs> it's like you you had this stuff and now people people have heard of you in the world for for your good deeds so yes, that was that was my two examples. I just wanted to very very recent examples that I wanted to mention there as, as perhaps an inspiration for for other people. Yeah, you know, introducing a new character is always tricky, both from the player and the GM. So that was like such an easy win for both me and the player to be like, yes, you've heard of their exploits, absolutely great, I love it. You're now best friends as soon as you've turned up. They're ready to have you in the party, <laughs> which is always that tricky question to be like, well, why do we want to adventure with you? Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's really nice to, you know, again, we're talking about consequences, but to also balance that with, like you just said, the things that you take note of, the things that you remember, 
that hit them in a positive way mm-hmm. that, oh yeah, you helped this little girl do this thing. And later on when you're in this tough situation and people don't believe you, you know who you see in the audience? It's that little girl. And she stands up and starts talking in your, on your behalf. And that, you know, if, if you want to be, and and you should be meticulous with crafting your consequences, you know, putting as much energy into crafting rewards mm-hmm. for things that they do mm-hmm. is, is super important and goes back into that whole, like building a trust at a table mm-hmm. where everyone feels comfortable helping generate consequences for another player that seem fair and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to, it's, it's both sides of the coin you need to fulfill as a GM. Otherwise you do build you do foster, unfortunately, that them versus us mm-hmm. mentality because it is very one way. And no, absolutely, it needs to be two ways if, of course, the players and their characters are providing you opportunities to, <laughs> to, to provide yeah. reward and recognition, <laughs> um, which is often not the case, as we discussed earlier on. But uh, <laughs> a, a good example of what you just mentioned there is in um, in a video game, Resident Evil 4, like right at the beginning, there's like a wolf trapped in a, a bear trap and you hear it kind of whining and you can go up and you can you can let it out and it you know runs off into the forest and disappears and as a player the first time I, you know i vividly remember doing this however many years ago when i first was playing it through on game gamecube i think if memory serves mm. and you're like oh okay that was cool and then i think at the first like mini boss you fight at one point the wolf comes in and it literally, like as you described, like it's literally on the edge of the arena that you're fighting this boss in. It howls, jumps into the arena, and then distracts the boss so you can get a bunch of hits in and get like a, <laughs> a freebie in. And that's a that's a classic, very linear, very binary one 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 direction, but still a very good example of just that how yeah. how clean and crisp sometimes it has to be. It doesn't have to be this. Six months later, the tree that you planted, mm-hmm. the seed that you planted, grew into a mighty oak, and now there's a new village that live in the tree. And like, it doesn't need to be <laughs> that complicated sometimes it can be as simple as hey you fed that dog and now the dog wants to follow you <laughs> yeah now we've talked an awful lot about consequences in universe in game for better and for worse now obviously there are it isn't all in game we are playing with other human beings and human beings as i've previously mentioned are imperfect and sometimes there are you know people make mistakes people play in a different way that you don't want them to play what i am getting to is have you ever had the unfortunate experience of you know having to perhaps have quote unquote the discussion with a player to be like hey this isn't this isn't working because of your actions or because of what's happening here or hey, we've talked about this and it's still an issue. Maybe you might want to think about a different table that suits your predilections. Have you ever been in that unfortunate position? Yeah, once or twice um, where it it ultimately comes up to, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, people's game styles, their play styles bumping into one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've been super fortunate in that I've never had to deal with some of the much more uncomfortable reasons why that would be an issue. I've been a part of those talks, but never the game master at that table. Mm -hmm. But it it is, it's, you know, sometimes it's about finding the right game for the group. You know, if it's like, it's, oh, this is our group and this is who we always play with and we're playing this game and there's a lot of friction between these two players. Okay, is that friction normally there? If so, what's the cause of it? 
And, you know, finding out, like you said earlier, is there a, is there a different hole to try that peg? In? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then when it comes to pickup groups and things like that, I find that it's best to deal with it as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, whenever we run games at a convention, we always have uh, lines and veils that people fill out beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then we also have an X card on the table. And, you know, for anybody unfamiliar with the X card, if one, if a player holds up the X card, whatever was just said, you basically rewind and you do it a different way. Mm -hmm. It's a way for someone to say like, Hey, this makes me uncomfortable without having to go into why. Yeah. And so, there have been moments where you have to pull someone aside and say, hey, like, I realize that you're playing this character this way. Like, you want to be, let's say, the hard-boiled detective who, because of the time period, is a womanizer. Mm -hmm. But you can't talk to other players like that. So how can we still create the feel that you want of this loner without encroaching on someone else's enjoyment of the game because i mean ultimately that's what it boils down to is yeah. we want to make sure as the game master that everybody at the table is having a good time mm -hmm. and as soon as one person isn't having a good time especially if it's because of you know the actions of another player that's when a game master's job becomes work mm. as opposed to you know we talked earlier about like oh poor me i've got to do all this work <laughs> but it can become work yeah when it just becomes about figuring out if it's a problem player or a problem character. Yeah. Well, I'm, I count myself as well in just a fortunate position as yourself where I haven't had to have any of those two, too many difficult discussions, but you see a lot of them online and I've mentioned it many mm -hmm. times before of people being like, one of my players was hideously racist. How do I mm -hmm. deal with this? And I'm like, well, this isn't really a TTRPG question at this point. This is just yeah. a this is just a <laughs> racist person question. <laughs> yeah, and you just deal with that how you would deal with a, a someone doing that in any given thing you do in your daily life as normal, right? Like, th there's no need to come to Reddit for that. How, yeah, how, what's your gut reaction? <laughs> Shut them down, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, so yeah, that that always. I, I, I don't know. I don't know for why, because I can't think of another medium where this is a problem so like for example like football has soccer for my american listeners mm -hmm. certainly uk has at least had a how should we say this a storied history funnily enough when it comes to racism and that isn't a football problem that's just a english person problem to paint my country in a horrible light mm. <laughs> god um but like no one's like oh we need to change the rules of the game or like we need to dance around this topic and ask why this player isn't having fun in the same way like it's that's not a ttrpg question and you don't need to cater or panda like that is an egregious example i know but it eventually gets to that point where <laughs> that person has to have the consequences to their action and, and there is a i don't want to say a simplicity but there is a an, an elegance in the solution which is to say goodbye leave my game now <laughs> like right you're not playing with, with us anymore and for some reason, I find there's a lot of preciousness around kicking people out of games, which is the logical conclusion of mm -hmm. such an egregious example of being a bad human being. I, it almost like people feel like they are denying somebody else this fun that we talk about so often. And again, it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird 
discussion point for my for my brain why why people feel that way why there is a preciousness about kicking people out of the game when some examples I've read have literally been that bad yeah and they're still like oh I can't kick him from a game because he's you know my colleague or I work with him okay mm-hmm. completely pointless bits of information that have no bearing on what's just occurred here but fine uh, <laughs> he could be your dad and like or, you know your partner and you t- the discussion would be very similar <laughs> yeah like i'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound like i'm being tongue-in-cheek and i'm i'm really not but you know you have these people who are so concerned about the consequences of if i kick this person out of my game what are the ramifications going to be at my job on my mm. commute on my whatever mm-hmm. yeah and, and you know there's also that element too of and it's not maybe as much of a problem anymore yeah. because of, you know, what's happened in the pandemic and kind of the influx of people playing games online over Skype or Discord or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there also used to be a real, well, we can't kick them out because we don't have another player. Mm. And if it's just the three of us, we can't really play a game. Yeah. And so there was there was a time period, I think, where there was that weird like, well, you just got to deal with whoever's willing to play because only a handful of people are interested in playing. But in today's space, if you're dealing with somebody who is problematic for yourself or the other players or the story, man, just join a discord and find someone who wants to, (laughs) to Skype into your game and don't have that thorn in your boot. Thank you for spinning my inadvertently sad topic of discussion into a positive at the end there. I was well worried we were going to close and like <laughs> people humans suck <laughs> but no you, you've redeemed the episode uh, alright don't get me wrong some humans suck let's oh, be honest just... <laughs> <laughs> but oh yes you, you've <laughs> you've redeemed the episode to be like no the hobby's so good now and, and so popular that there's always people to fill those gaps so you know every cloud which is <laughs> far better to end on than <laughs> <laughs> whatever i was talking about so no, thank you ever so much for that um is, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't got to yet um no not really i think you know like i said i started out playing earth dawn and then i played pathfinder and that's exclusively what i played for a very long time mm-hmm. and starting to play you know monster of the week dungeon world you know, any of these Powered by the Apocalypse games or Fate games, I didn't realize how much I was missing till I started playing other games. And it's just, it's, you know, that would be my one, my one thing is like, hey, next time you're at a convention or next time someone brings up a new game, like, give it a shot. Even if you don't play it right, you're going to find some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, D&D has become the gold standard because it's been around so long and it's been you know, made so popular by, um, you know, things like Critical Role or the Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. But even they end up branching into another game every now and then. And and you can really see the story take a different shape. And a lot of them are so simple to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of like, oh, I don't want to learn a new game because you're thinking of learning something the size of Pathfinder or the something the size of Dungeons & Dragons where... A lot of these games are one, you know, 100-page book, and that's all you need to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must admit, I suffer from that train of thought of being like, uh, no matter how much I've played my precious 5th edition, 
session to session, there's still these edge case niche niche questions come up that's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're carrying, but can you throw? Or how many hands do you need to do this and this, that, and the other? And so there's there's never an end to the rules based questioning. So that when somebody does suggest, do you want to learn a new system? I'm like, man, I haven't even learned this one yet. Yeah, like, but <laughs> give me some, give me another five years, maybe, and we'll get there. But uh, <laughs> but no, I think you're absolutely right, and that it's it, they are not, you know, not everything has to be that weird niche edge case issue for the next five years. You can just pick it up and play. And I'm being an extreme hypocrite here, having not had a huge amount of experience, but such is life. <laughs> we are a multitude. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, thank you ever so much for today's discussion. I'm super stoked with everything we've discussed. I, I personally, I, I really wanted to talk about the, you know, get some examples in of the, the surprise Pikachu face because, as we discussed, that is just there's just a, you know that Machiavellian delight there that can't be that can't that's itch can't be scratched by many by many other things. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we talked about that, and then also obviously the 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 real world issues. Um, and I think because it is that is important. We, you and I, are in the main fortunate enough to have not had that, but it is exceptionally important to many other people. So I'm 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 very thankful for for your insight and your input on on things such as the you know the the X card and the the veils and 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 so on and so on. So thank you very much for all of that. Is there anything you would like to promote? Uh, I mean, really, if you're interested in. Um learning some of these powered by the apocalypse games uh you can find us at the crit show podcast.com and uh at the crit show most on most everything and we run our game um in a way that after the first story arc you should feel comfortable sitting down and playing it yourself um you know we we try to explain the rules as we go without stopping the flow of the action so it's a lot of explaining how mechanics work to the players as they're dealing with them for the first time and uh, we keep our episodes, uh, we come out every Wednesday, uh, and episodes are usually between 35 to 55 minutes, so they're very digestible, and you'll learn a whole bunch of new systems, but it'll still be the same narrative as we go through. Amazing, very cool, very unique idea. I think you, you open the show with that kind of shared universe thing, yeah. um, which I'm going to have to have you back on again to discuss the consequences of running something like that, um, <laughs> which is something that we didn't get to that I wanted to talk about, but uh, we'll save that one for, for round two. But Excellent. Um, no, uh, so all, all that's left to say is is thank you ever so much, Rev, for, for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening at home. As usual, all the links to The Crit Show will be in the episode description. And I, of course, very much encourage you to check them out and drop them a rating as well on Spotify and, and the Apples and, and the and the such likes. As you could, of course, do for Thinking Critically should you be feeling exceptionally generous. Otherwise, thank you all for listening and good night. And now it's time for the Patreon shoutouts. Thank you to Robert Hartley. DM for Viva the Dirt League and writer on the D&D Logic web series. I would encourage everybody to check him out at Robert Hartley GM on Twitter and Twitch. Thank you to Optional Rule, a two-time guest of the show and a very insightful and knowledgeable source of information. Please check them out at www.optionalrule.com. Huge, huge, huge thank you to a great friend of the show, Matthew Perkins, who's out there making hilarious and educational Dungeons & Dragons content. 
please go and check out his stuff at matthewperkins.net where you can find links to all of his socials and all of his content, including his own Patreon, which I would very much encourage you to check out. Thank you to Matt Street at MPStreet88 on Twitter for supporting the show. If you need support running your personal or business schedule, head to virtualtimehustle.com or on Instagram to make that difference between should do and done. Boss it better with support from Kat, who will help you get back that essential time you've been searching for. If you would like to support what we do and get four shout-outs a month, head over to patreon.com slash thinkingcritically, or you can just buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thinkingcritically, 